Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are going to be discussing uh, Slumdog Millionaire, a film that neither of us had seen um, until this evening. And um, we are doing so because Trainspotting 2, or T2 Trainspotting, um, as it apparently is officially called, is out in theaters uh, in a wider release than it has been so far, although still somewhat limited. It's not in as many theaters as I wish it were. Um, and Corey, though, got to see Trainspotting 2, so we'll, we'll talk about that briefly, but no spoilers, because I haven't seen it yet. Um, and we'll get into a few other things, but we're going to uh, basically start with trailer talk, and that's where we look at movies that are going to be coming out next week on April 7th, uh, Friday, April 7th, which happens to be my daughter's birthday, so happy birthday, kid. Um, Shout out to you, <laughs> kid. I'll say that, too. Um, <laughs> We're going to be looking at, uh, there's four movies, really there's only three going wide, and there's one very limited release, um, but we're only going to look at uh, two of the wide releases and one of the uh, limited release, because I'm kind of bummed that it's limited. Um, we're going to look at Going in Style um, first. Uh, going in Style is a new Zach Braff-directed film, um, who I tend to like his films. He's done... Um, Wish I Were Here, I believe, or I Wish You Were Here. I always forget the official title for that one. And um, Garden State are his two previous films, and this is his first one where he's not starring in the movie as well. Um, and it is uh, starring Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, um, Joey King, who is in uh, Wish or Wish You Were Here with uh, Zach Braff as well, and Alan Arkin are our lead characters in the film. And the premise is that um, desperate to pay the bills and come through for their loved ones, three lifelong pals risk it all by embarking on a daring bid to knock off the very bank that absorbed with, uh, I'm sorry, absconded with their money. This is the summer from IMDb. Um, Corey, have you seen this trailer? I have seen it a couple times, but I kept I keep forgetting the title because I'm horrible. Uh, you know what? This title, um, even after I, I sent you a message to remind you to watch this trailer, I went on YouTube uh, and tried to searching... Um, uh, I think change, change in style or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, why isn't this pulling up? And I was like, oh wait, that's not the right title. Um, so yeah, it's it's not the best title, but uh, it does look pretty funny in my opinion. I'm going to agree with that, and I love our the three actors that are playing our main characters so much. And I would, I might see this one in theater. You and everyone else in the world knows that I tend to forgo comedies most of the time, mm. but um. I feel like I want to see these three guys together. I'm it's definitely be... definitely going to see it next. I'm hoping next Thursday. Um, and I yeah I like the three actors as well. It almost looks like a Christopher Nolan cast, um, given Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine together. Um, then again, they've done a few movies outside of the Nolan world, but um, you know, I keep hoping Bruce Wayne will show up or something, and we have a a Batman cameo. Yeah. Um, but um. Zach Braff directing, I am I am interested. Um, it does the trailer is very funny. It's got some silly stuff. You know, Keenan uh, Mitchell, I believe, is his name from Saturday Night Live, and um, I, I was a fan of his back in the day all for Keenan and Kel and all that. Um, he's got at least a small part in it. I don't know, you know, if he's just going to be in the scene we've already seen in the trailer, or if he'll have a little more. Oh, Matt Dillon's in this. What? Yeah, I haven't seen him in anything in a while. Um, <laughs> feel like the title is a little morbid though they can dress it up in blue font all they want yeah it's definitely <laughs> definitely implying uh their deaths not that they'll happen in the film though but uh christopher lloyd is in it as well um uh, you know doc brown himself they'll be going back in time time to, yeah um 
yeah, so I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, it, it looks pretty funny, but you know who knows. Um, the other wide release that we're going to talk about, Corey actually didn't see the trailer for, but I've seen it. I've been seeing the trailer for months, and I was actually surprised it's even happening. Um, Smurfs: The Lost Village. Now, the, this is the third Smurfs film in the last several years, but this is the first one where it's fully animated. It's not going to be mixed with our world like they did with the other two starring Neil Patrick Harris. Um, this is an animated Smurfs film, so the whole thing is a cartoon. Um, but The Lost Village, they've been alluding to from the very first trailer that The Lost Village will have other female Smurfs because Smurfette is the only female Smurf that we have seen. Um, and the third trailer that just released last week finally just went ahead and gave you the plot. They, it, sure enough, it's a whole village of female Smurfs. Um, they show them all in the trailer, and apparently that's not... It wasn't... Um, a twist enough that they needed to re- wait and reveal it for the actual film. Um, this is a great example. Um, I was actually last year I was actively boycotting trailers, and um, but then at the same time I was walk- I was going to so many movies that I was still having to watch them, and I still kind of want to boycott trailers because things like that. Now while I'm not planning on seeing Smurfs Lost Village, my daughter doesn't want to see Smurfs Lo- the Lost Village, so it's no big deal that they spoiled it. But at the same time. Movie companies, don't give away big plot details. Even if you think your plot is ridiculous and people are going to come regardless, give people at least the option of it being spoiled or not. Because um, there are so many things that are showing up in the third act. Like Wilson, I saw the other night, um, which Corey also saw, but uh, not. You know, we're in two different states, so not together. But we both happen to get to see Wilson, and. I'm watching the movie, and there are two of the funnier scenes from the trailer are in the third act of the movie. And I'm like, okay, guys, you got to keep some things out of the trailer. Like, I, I think third act should be off limits. Um, if it doesn't happen until that far into a film, don't include it in the trailer. And if you need to, then your premise n- must not be that good to begin with. Now, Wilson is very, I enjoyed Wilson very much. Critics seem to be up and down on it. I do tend to like a uh, a little bit of a cynical character. So it worked for me. I um, thought it was pretty hilarious. And our friend Brendan, who uh, was on the Handmaiden episode of our uh, podcast, um, was with me. And he also loved it and thought it was the funniest movie he's seen this year. And I agree. And I've seen two of the big comedies that have released this year, Fist Fight and um, Chips. And by far, Wilson was funnier uh, than either one of them. Um, Fist Fight wasn't funny almost at all. And Chips was funny. Um, but not as much as like 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street. But uh, Wilson, I laughed a lot. And um, Woody Harrelson's performance is like just amazing, I think, because he's all over the place in that movie, and he nails every scene, no matter what the tone is for the scene. He he manages to pull it off perfectly. Um, but I guess by and by, Smurfs, The Lost Village, we're not going to watch. Um <laughs> I'm going to give a quick shout out too. Um, please go see Wilson if it's airing close to you. If you love Woody Harrelson at all, he shines so much. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the cast is pretty great too. So just check yep. it out if you're able to. Laura Dern uh, has a major role in it and she's fantastic. So um, and I want to give a shout out to our local theater, uh, the Enzian in Orlando. It's the closest art house theater to me, um, which is where I saw Wilson. But I was there not to see Wilson really. But to uh, find out the schedule for the Florida Film Festival, where I will be attending as a member of the press, um, coming up on the 21st through the 30th, if you live in Florida and you're a film fan, there's some really great stuff coming to the uh, Florida Film Festival this year, including Colossal, uh, starring Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. 
um, unofficially released today, actually. Uh, I think, or maybe it's next week. I think it's today, um, which is, today is uh, March 31st, but it's in super limited release. I'm wrong. It's definitely next Friday. That's That was what it is. So Colossal supposedly is uh, going very limited release next week, and it will be airing for sure at the Florida Film Festival on um, April 22nd. And I... Oh, I'm sorry again. So bad with titles. I totally forgot that I had seen this trailer. It's mm. her and the monster. It's her and the monster. It's a comedy uh, monster movie, um, and it looks amazing. It's it's gotten pretty decent reviews from uh, Toronto International Film Festival and I think Sundance. Um, it's one I'm I'm definitely going to. So I'll, uh, there will be a review up for the site. Um, I'll be covering at least ten films from the festival. I'm hoping to f- squeeze a few more in. Um, uh, Colossal is probably the one I'm the most excited to get to see, but I'm also uh, looking forward to seeing Jesus's Son, um, starring Billy Crudup with a Q and A with Billy Crudup. Um, so I'm looking forward to that opportunity, and then uh, the director and lead actor from Airplane will be uh, there showing Airplane um, from I think 1980 is the release date. Um, I have seen Airplane, of course, but I have not seen it on the big screen ever, nor have I seen it recently. So I'm very excited to get to see it with um, David Zucker and Robert Hayes uh, in in attendance. I think they're doing a Q&A afterwards. Um, so those are two uh, two other big opportunities. If you're in Florida and you want to check out the Florida Film Festival, definitely, definitely worth it. Um, lots of good stuff coming and lots of great shorts uh, entered this year. Um, some of the short previews they showed uh, have been very uh, intriguing. And there's three documentaries um, that I am currently not able to see because of their dates. I'm hoping I'm going to get to squeeze in a press screening for at least one or two of them. Uh, one, Corey, I think is right up your alley. It's a documentary about cassette tapes um, and how they're making a comeback like the vinyl albums did, um, which I've noted a few months back uh, that I noticed people were selling cassettes again. And um, the documentary looks really interesting. And um, they had several uh, – well, the, the only person I recognized was Henry Rollins – but it looked like some of the other people were also somewhat celebrity. But um, they were talking about like their the cassette tapes that they still had in their collection. That like why they meant something to them and why they kept them all these years and things like that. It looks really compelling. Um, and then there's a documentary uh, called "Man Circus Son of Circus" or something like that. And it's um, a kid whose uh, father was a circus clown and um, he grew up within the circus, but. Uh, he tells that story, but he's also um, part of the documentary is him interviewing his father because he feels like he doesn't know his father. He just knows the performer. He knows this clown. And from the interviews they show in the trailer, nobody seems to know anything about the guy other than he's this clown. He's this known performer, and he's always like in character. He never seemed to uh, really let people in. And so it's, it looked very compelling. Um, I wish I had that. That sounds terrifying. Well, I guess if you, you know, it's not creepy, like. In the trailer, at least. I guess unless clowns just in general make you scared, Corey. Sometimes. Well, I hope you've seen the new It trailer that dropped this I week. I did. Um, but um, the other documentary that I'm very intrigued by, which I wasn't initially because the title didn't uh, set it up for me. I think it's called Strad Style. Um, just the uh, the premise even didn't sound very compelling. It's about a guy who makes violins. I'm like, okay, whatever. Ooh. Which, not to say that's not intriguing. It just wasn't something I was you know, going to put extra effort into going to see at the film festival until I saw the trailer. And you find out it's a guy who has no real knowledge of making violins, but has decided that's what he wants to do and um, him trying to learn. And I guess he, it looks like he commits to a big sale uh, for a violin that he hasn't finished making yet, um, nor does he know how it will sound. And so the pressure's on and it looks 
it looks very much like um, a film rather than a doc. It's very narrative driven as he's attempting you know to to build this violin. It looks really compelling, and that'll be at the Florida Film Festival as well. Um, so lots to check out. You can go to floridafilmfestival.com. I am in the process of writing a preview, so I'm going to be talking about the 10 films that I'm guaranteed to see at the film festival this year, and then uh, five or six others that I'm very interested in, and that should be up by Monday um, on our website at berkreviews.com. Um, with that in mind, uh, the last trailer that we haven't spoke about, and I know I just spoke about a bunch of different movies, but um, the, the movie that's coming in very limited release, according to uh, boxofficemojo.com, it's only going to be in 50 theaters um, on Friday, which is crazy because they did a, uh, a screening um, with, through GoFobo at one of the um, AMC theaters in Orlando uh, about two weeks ago. So that I had high hopes that it would be in, in wide release, but apparently um, it's not getting enough of an audience that they want to back the movie. Um, but it's called Gifted, um, and it stars Chris Evans, um, I think Octavia Spencer, and I'm going to pull that up so I can confirm all this, but um, Jenny Slate's in it, uh, who is a very funny um, actress. She was had a small role in Parks and Rec, recur- or a recurring role in Parks and Recreation. Um, and then a young actress named McKenna Grace, um, who I don't know if I've seen her in anything or if this is her debut. Oh, she was in Mr. Church, but I've not watched that, but I've heard that's actually pretty good. Um yeah, I don't recognize her from anything. Oh, she was on Once, um, Once Upon a Time, the TV series, as young Emma Swan. Um, oh, and apparently she's on Fuller House for two episodes. So she's she's done a few things. Um, but the premise of the film, uh, Gifted, is uh, Frank, a single man raising his child prodigy niece, Mary, is drawn into a custody battle with his mother. And I should find out who the mother is. Um, I'm guessing it is Lindsay Duncan. So it looks uh, compelling. Um, it looks like it's going to be, you know, tugging on the heartstrings. Um, Chris Evans is giving a very dramatic performance. And I don't know. I think the trailer looks pretty good. You did watch this trailer, right, Corey? I'm actually kind of surprised that it's um, limited release because I've seen it before a couple of movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm, I saw it last night before the T2 um, movie, right before T2. Yeah. Um, I've seen the trailer a few times. Um, I think I saw it in front of the founder and... Um, man, what was the Taylor and I went and saw something, and we saw it before that. And she and I were both wanted to see it. And we were both excited because it comes out on her birthday, according to the trailer. But um, I'm not gonna hold my breath that it's gonna be anywhere near us. If it's only 50 theaters, um, there's a chance it'll be in Orlando, but you know, I, I highly doubt it. It's probably just gonna be New York, L.A., Chicago, um, and a couple other big cities. And Orlando may get it, but you know, who knows? Um, but it's a film. <laughs> I really want to push our listeners. Um, these are the types of movies that we should be getting more of and getting a little less of these box, these huge blockbuster films. Not that, you know, there's definitely been an increase in quality of some of the blockbusters as far as like, you know, pretty much everything Disney's releasing. Um, but then you look at some of the stuff that, and I am a huge Batman fan, but you look at the stuff that uh, Warner Brothers is putting out and it's been pretty bad um, consistently across the board. Um, you know, we had the Great Wall came out a few months ago. There's all these, just so many of these big blockbusters where money's just getting thrown at it, and the movies are mediocre. But underneath all of it, these low, under, you know, under ten million, under fifty million dollar budget movies are coming out in these small releases. And for those of us who are fortunate to fight to get to see them, or we keep track of these things and we we hunt them down as soon as they come out on video release, we get these amazing stories that people this year. Um, I think got quite a bit of because of the Oscars, mainly with Lion. Um, Lion was a small story, a small film, amazing story, 
that got a long re a theatrical release after the Oscars because um, people wanted to see it and it was getting so much buzz that it got put back in theaters and it got what it deserved, at least more than what I, it did prior um, to the release. And if you're a fan of the show, I, you may already, I may be preaching to the choir. You may already be that kind of a film person if you're taking the time to listen to a film podcast. But I do want to encourage you, if you are that type of person already, tell your friends about those movies that you watch. You know, bring them to them because it seems to me a lot of people that I've, I'm friends with on Facebook who aren't the film buffs uh, that I proclaim to be um, were really in the lion. Uh, a lot of people that said that that should have been the number one movie. They thought that was better than La La Land, and I'm like, great, you wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't nominated. That's the the bad part. That's, you know, um, these movies, there's tons of these movies that don't get nominated because there's only 10 nominations for Best Picture. Um, thousands of movies come out every year. And, you know, how much of our money goes to these, you know, like Batman versus Superman. Suicide Squad made $500 million, I think, last year or Ew. something like that, or $300 million. It was a lot of money. And while Suicide Squad can be entertaining, even if it's not a good movie, um, there's other movies that can be both. There's so many of them, and we just we want to spread the word. And in fact, I think um, this movie that we watch tonight probably is a really good example of that. I actually want to take a second to um, say that I was looking on Gifted's website, and it is limited release April 7th, but it looks like it does go wide April 21st. Good. I, I hope it gets a, a full wide release, not like because some go wide like T2 this week. Um, T2 is officially wide released right now. But it's still in very limited theaters. It's not in every. It's not going to have the uh, the pull like Ghost in the Shell that came out the same day, uh, uh, the thirty first, is in every theater, and it's mediocre. Uh, my reviews online, BerkReviews dot com. So, um, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, I remember hearing about this movie when it won the Academy Award for Best Picture in I think two thousand eight. Um, and I didn't have. I didn't know what it was. I didn't really. Um, at the time, I wasn't watching as many movies as I am now. Um, I was only seeing films that um, my daughter was only four. And so uh, going to the theater was almost out of the question. Um, so I wasn't seeing a whole lot of movies in theater. And then when it came to home video, it was, uh, you know, just kind of catching up with the big movies that I'd heard of. Um, I didn't put much credence in the Oscars. And I still, I kind of don't put a whole lot of credence in the Oscars. But I do like to, I, I do make um, an effort to be aware of what's nominated and see everything that's nominated just because I know people are going to be talking about them and I feel like I need to be on top of that now. Back then, though, I had no interest. So I've, I've had to, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, as a I'll watch it eventually movie for a long time. And Corey and I chose it tonight uh, for this week's podcast, um, episode 13 of Burke Reviews Movie Club, um, because of Danny Boyle, which I did not realize he had directed this film. Um, until listening to the Nerdist podcast with Danny Boyle a few weeks back and uh, him talking about it, I was like, really? I had no clue. Now, I brought up Lion, who, which also stars Dev Patel, who is in, who's our lead character um, in Slumdog Millionaire. And uh, I've become a big fan of his. Um, what are your uh, thoughts on Dev Patel, Corey? I feel like a horrible person. I haven't seen Lion, um, but I'm going to put this out there. I don't have a lot of time usually. Um, and the only thing that I know Dev Patel from is Slumdog Millionaire now. Mm. I feel like a horrible person saying that. Oh, no. no I mean, he he's, um, has his uh, IMDb credit is not massive, um, which is not an insult to the guy at all. I mean, he's a great actor for sure. Um, and more so, it's probably more than I'm thinking. 17 roles, which is quite a bit. 
But um, Hotel Mumbai is this year. Uh, Chappie, which nobody should watch Chappie from what I've seen of it. It is it is hard to watch, but he is um, not the lead character because I, th- I would say Chappie is the lead character, but he is the scientist who built Chappie. Um, he's in the two uh, exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel movies, the first and second. Um, oh, he was on Newsroom, though, which I've heard is a really good show with Jeff Daniels. Um, oh, that's right. I, and he's in another horrible movie, um, The Last Airbender. Uh, he is Prince Zuko in The Last Airbender. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, yeah. so he gets, okay. he's in the Oscar-nominated uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Thinks, all right, here's the big money picture. I'll do Last Airbender. It's going to be a franchise. It'll be at least three or four films, you know, for sure. And that blew up in his face. Um, poor guy uh, for falling into that. And then this Chappie, um, which had pretty much the same negative kind of, not quite, I haven't heard nearly as much bad things about Chappie as I have Last Airbender, but I feel like more people just didn't see Chappie. Uh, Last Airbender had a built-in audience, and it m- destroyed that audience's hearts. Um, so I think more people had issues with that than they did Chappie because people were just like, Chappie, that looks stupid. I'm not going to watch it. Um, but yeah, Def Patel, uh, really great year last year with Lion. Um, but this is his big breakthrough film with Slumdog Millionaire. Um, I'm going to read the plot synopsis real quick for Slumdog. But, um, before we do that, Corey's got a little message for our listeners. Boom, boom, boom. This is your spoiler warning. This movie is from 2008. Maybe you haven't seen it and you want to. If that's the case, you can go watch it and pick back up here. Otherwise, if you enjoy spoilers, continue listening. All right. So Slumdog Millionaire uh, is about a Mumbai teen. Uh, He reflects on his upbringing in the slums when he is accused of cheating on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So the film opens... um, with a pretty crazy scene that I wasn't expecting. Um, well, I guess before we get into the scenes, we should talk. It's directed, as I said, by uh, Danny Boyle, but also it's co-directed with Loveline Tandon. Um, and it's listed. It's in parentheses. Says she's the co-director for the Indian, or for India. Excuse me. For I'm assuming for those performances. Um, and then written and uh, adapted from a novel. So Simon uh, Buffoy is the writer for the screenplay or the adaptation, and Vikas uh, Swarup. Um, is the writer of the novel novel Q and A, and it is a big adaptation from what I read. Uh, Q and A doesn't one use slum. Um, sorry, doesn't use uh, even the the character names are different. But um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is not the game show in that. It's just a quiz show. Uh, it's a more generic Q and A quiz show type thing, like a Jeopardy type of deal. But uh, the ultimate premise is that he's winning um, and is accused of cheating and uh, is then you know taken to police custody. But um, I have to say, overall, um, I found this film really enjoyable, super engaging, and um, I really liked the soundtrack in this movie. Uh, the score and the music throughout the film was we used Danny Boyle-esque, in my opinion, as far as his use of sound. Really, it's always memorable, and Train Spotting it's super memorable. Um, even Steve Jobs, the sound editing in Steve Jobs is really, really spot on, and this movie is no different. Um, which I feel is becoming like a Danny Boyle trademark. Um, I have not seen 120 hours or 127 hours or whatever it is, the James Franco I'm going to cut my arm off movie. Um, that is also Be- Danny Boyle. but uh, Because it has James Franco in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and I don't like a lot of movies that are um, with one character. Uh, not, not that I don't like them. I tend to avoid them because I don't think I will like them. And it's, it's a flaw that I'm trying to work on where I have these – uh, predispositions towards a film without actually giving it a chance. Uh, and I, I think I have, um, 
but not completely. And that movie just, I'm sure it's a very harrowing tale, but it's one of those things where, like, I, I know the ending. I'm okay with not watching that happen. Like, I don't need to see him cut his arm off. Like, spoilers for 127 hours. But um, no offense to Danny Boyle. If, actually, if I'd known it was Danny Boyle, I probably would have seen it just out of respect because um, I, I seem to be a fan of his. But uh, what were your kind of initial impressions of Slumdog, Corey, without going into your full rating? but Agreed about the sound that kind of um, kind of set it off right away. And I also noticed um, he, ha- he has a very signature use of moment and movement in his films. Like, it's very tense and he can, like, slow it down, but it still seems very, I guess the way he edits it, he can make it look slowed down, but it's still very, we know that it's, like, fast-paced, bad with words and technical terms, guys. But um, <laughs> I also was drawn in right away. Um, there's a few themes in the film. There's a, a big theme on the Three Musketeers. Um which starts real early uh, when we see uh, the characters as kids. Uh, the film is nonlinear, um, so you're going to have two parallel stories. You're going to have the uh, current story, which is of Jamal, who is played by Dev Patel, adult Jamal, um, who is b- being held by police, uh, and we find out that um, they think he has cheated on the game show because he's a slum dog, as they call him. They don't really ever define that, but it basically just means a guy who was raised in the slums, who was poor, uh, stole, you know, did whatever they had to to survive. Um, and so looked down on. Um, he is a, currently works at a um, call center, but he is not one of the operators. He just serves tea to the operators. And they call him a uh, Chai... Um, Chaiwala. Chaiwala. Uh, and he's being um, interrogated pretty brutally by the police um, to find out how he was able to win uh, the... T- He's up to $10 million, um, which is the second to the final uh, grand prize um, on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, I guess dollars is wrong. He's won 10 million rupees, um, and they don't know how he could possibly do it, this guy from the slums. And so they assume he's cheated, and they're trying to get him to tell the truth. But he's not confessing because, from what we can tell, he didn't cheat. Um, but then we get the, his backstory through flashbacks as he's – um, explaining how he was able to answer these questions. Um, and they so they go kind of one by one throughout the questions that we, he answered, and that kind of sets the tone. So we have, uh, again, a nonlinear story that um, it's guided by that. And I found that that structure really compelling. Um, I thought it made for uh, you know an entertaining film. Because that's one of the reasons I think I never saw it, was I knew it was a guy who was going to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'm like, well, how fun can that be? I don't even like watching the game show. You know, why would I want to watch a guy do it on a movie. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about the structure, Corey? I love the storytelling in this movie. I also had no idea going into it that it would be that interesting. Um, I also, I was just, I guess, expecting to see him playing, you know, being on the game show too. And I was, I, I loved it. Um, I should bring up, uh, I mentioned Dev Patel, but the film also stars uh, Frida Pinto, um, Irfan Khan, who uh, I recognize from Life of Pi, um, and he's in a bunch of other movies, but that's where I first uh, remember seeing him. Um, and he's he's a fantastic actor in everything I've seen him in. Um, and then there, we have younger versions of the character. Uh, we have a young um, young man, Jamal, uh, who I will butcher his name, so I'm not going to try. And then we have teenage Jamal um, before they get to uh, Dev Patel's character, which I think they say he's 18, Um when he's the adult, the oldest version of Jamal that we're, we're going to meet. I um, mean, he has a brother um, named, 
now I've written it down a hundred times. What did I? Samil. Samil. No. Uh, wait, I think you were uh, Salim. Sama. Salim. Oh. Um, S A L I M. So I must. I believe it was pronounced Salim. And then uh, Farida plays uh, Lakita, who they meet um, through a chain of chain of events. Uh, the movie introduces several things that I was unfamiliar with, um, like the uh, Muslim persecution that they demonstrate at one point in the film, um, where uh, a group of very angry, I believe, they don't say in the film, but from I did some research, it is based on some histor- historical truth, um, even though the movie is not a true story. Um, but uh, in 2002, it, it, uh, according to Wikipedia, um, the Hindu population who was tired of uh, the, uh, like, violent Muslims lashed out and attacked just any Muslim. And um, I don't know how much of what Danny Boyle shows in Slumdog Millionaire is based on what actually happened in India, but it's brutal in this movie um, where people are being set on fire and they're being hit with pipes and and just um, we witness uh, some some horrific things. I guess I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but not not that much. Um yeah, I don't know. Is there um, the beginning of the film is uh, Jamal being tortured, um, mildly tortured? That might be a bit of a, an extreme word. I mean, it's definitely a, a degree of torture, no, no doubt. Um, they use electricity. They do. They 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 Rambo him up. Uh, they got him, or I'm sorry, maybe I'm thinking lethal weapon. They lethal weapon him up where Mel Gibson is hanging from the uh, the rafters and he gets electrocuted. But it's a much more tame electric shock than I think, uh, at least as depicted. They put um, jumper cables on his toes, but it does knock him out. Um, and then we get the uh, the interrogation, a little more calm, a little more serene, and we start getting our flashbacks of him telling the story. And it's not long into it. Uh, we're introduced to the Three Musketeers. Oh, I mentioned that. There's the theme of the Three Musketeers, but there's a theme of destiny uh, that plays throughout the film, even from the beginning. I didn't get why we got a, a uh, who wants to be a millionaire-style question opens the film with, uh, I think, did he cheat? Um, or how did he win the 10 million rupees? Um, did he cheat? Did he, uh, I don't remember the other three options. One of them is he those, a genius? Yeah, is he a genius? And then one is, the most important one is, um, the. it's his, I'm trying to think of the wording. It, it's the way. It is written. It is written. That is the wording. Good job. Um, it is written. And, um, there's one other option that's like, he got lucky or something like that. And um, that question is posed at the very beginning, and they will address the answer at the end. Um, but destiny is uh, said by many characters throughout the film, um, and it's an interesting idea. Like, is he destined to succeed? And um, their mother is killed. Uh, Salim and Jamal's mother is killed in front of them um, by these uh, Hindu uh, attackers. Um, and it is that's the first time religion is really brought up, and that is relevant to one of the questions uh, they're asked: what um, Raman, uh, Raman, I think they said Raman Allah, but I wasn't a hundred percent, but what Raman was holding in their, in their right hand. And they, uh, they ran into a kid dressed up as this God holding a bow and arrow. And that's how he was able to answer the question. Um, so pretty horrific, uh, way of getting that answer. Um, and that throughout the film, that's what we get. We get, uh, what's the question and then here's the answer or we see it happen. And then we find out that it's relevant to the question. Like, um, there's, a scene later in the film with a hundred dollar bill and the question is who's on the hundred dollar bill not a ruby i mean bill this time um as it was american money that was the question and it showed us uh when he was first given a hundred dollar bill um and so that's how he knew you know uh 
stuff like that. And I, I just found the narrative to be so compelling, I think, as a result of the structure. Um, we're not going to go play by play as we're trying to avoid that. So I want to talk about the highlights um, more than anything. So uh, is what what is there that you want to mention, Corey, with Slumdog Millionaire? Ooh, I, hmm. I mean, you could talk like a sequence that really stood out to you, like moment, a scene, a performance, whatever. You know, it, it's completely open. Um, you mentioned already Danny Danny Boyle's style coming to play with the uh, the, the speed of the scenes and how he paces everything. Um, but anything at all. Um, in fact, I'll even start off. I, I like the scene. Um, they they meet Lakita right after uh, the Muslim attack, um, or Lakita, and um, they're separated uh, on a train after they they're taken in by an orphanage, and uh, it's not a real orphanage. These these people basically get kids to beg for them so they get money, and the kids just get bare minimum to stay alive. And but they have to look sick because otherwise people won't give them money. So. Um, they, they run away from these, this guy's some kind of a criminal and we see the boys living on a train and like hustling, you know, they're, they're selling anything they can. They're stealing when they have to just trying to get by. And it's, it's kind of a a fun sequence. It's sad, but it's fun. Like the way everything plays out. Um, and it leads to this really awesome transition where the boys are, um, I believe Jamal is being hung uh, by his feet on the side of the train. He's reaching in, trying to sell some challah bread. Um, and he's about to get away, and one of the people in the car notice, and they start fighting with him. And then both Salim and him fall off the train and start rolling down this hill. And as they're rolling down the hill, it transitions um, their age. And so by the time they're at the bottom of the hill, they are now teenagers. They went from being young boys to being teenagers. And uh, now we see them hustling at the Taj Mahal. And it's just this great sequence of them uh, seeing what they have to do to survive. You know, seeing them be what I guess would be the slum dogs. Um, this is them doing anything and everything to just get by, just to scrape by and be able to survive. And it's it's pretty compelling. Um, the the kid actors are really good in this too. Um, you know, I feel for him throughout the film. And this is where at this point um, you really start to see. A, the importance Lakita offers that she is going to be the driving force of Jamal this whole time that, that the chance encounter that the three of them ended up together after the Muslims were attacked in their village, in their community. Um, and then she's taken from him essentially by his brother who uh, let her go. He never gives up on her and he has every intention of getting back, you know, rescuing her from the orphanage and um, everything's always pushing in that direction. And I found that really compelling. I didn't expect the love story to be what it was. And I, I really enjoyed the love story in the film. And I, so those are some things that I really did enjoy. Even from the very, very beginning, the opening, um, we see that all these kids kind of look out for each other. Yeah. And I really liked that. And then um, I didn't understand why he let her go when they were on the train. And then they show they kind of panned the older men in the train car, mm. and I didn't know. Well, if... Salim um, has shown to be kind of a not the best person. Um, him and Jamal are close, but there's definitely uh, major differences in their character. Um, when they first escape, he doesn't want Lakita to come into the, the like they're in a looks like a big storage container, um, and he wants her to stay out in the rain. And it's Jamal who invites her in in the first place. Um, and so there are, he he has moments where he's redeemable. He's not a totally awful person. 
but a lot of the film is him making choices um, that are very questionable. Even um, when they're first at the orphanage, they're supposed to sing, and his singing makes everybody laugh, and, and I think Lakita laughs, and he kind of pushes her and says, don't laugh at me. And then one of the other, um, the, the muscle of the the crime guy at the orphanage picks Salim up and he starts you know cursing him and kicking him and they end up making him like an enforcer to the other orphans. Um, and so right away you see Salim's not the same as Jamal. Jamal is very kind-hearted and hopeful and Salim is uh, more desperate. He's, he seems willing to do whatever he has to to get by, including, and I almost, I can't believe I almost forgot to talk about this, um, one of Danny Boyle's apparent other traits, uh, at least in two of his movies, and that is poop diving. Why? Why? I thought I was going to throw up, but that kid did what he needed to to get what he wanted. He needed, and he, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't. Oh, I'm getting nauseous thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, just the conditions of that bathroom are train spotting esque because it's disgusting. Um, the bathroom. It was a hole in a wooden pier. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. gross. It's so <laughs> gross. Um, is but I'm like, come on, Danny Boyle. What is this? Two of your movies. I have to look away from the screen because somebody no. dives into shit. Like, oh, curses. Um, and you know, it, like I almost didn't bring it up, but it's relevant later because it comes back into the story. Um, one that's it's his first question is this actor, the most famous actor of India. He got his autograph while covered in poop. And um, oh god, um. <laughs> But Salim, one, locked him in the bathroom uh, because he wouldn't get out of the bathroom. Then sells his autograph that he went through a lot to get. Um, Bastard. And so right away we see that Salim is not not so great, uh, not nearly as caring as Jamal is. Um, and he does whatever he can to get to get by, to get money. It doesn't matter. He has no qualms with uh, morals or anything. And we see that throughout the film. Um, when they finally find Lakita, uh, Salim is even willing to kill the mob boss that runs the orphanage and it's a pretty intense scene. And, um, he later seems like he wants to, uh, sleep with Lakita, um, and forces Jamal out of the, the apartment, threatens to shoot him. And Lakita concedes solely because she doesn't want anything to happen to Jamal. Now they never confirm whether or not, cause they're 13 maybe when that happens, they never confirm if she does or not, or if they do. Um, but, at some point, apparently, Jamal leaves the area because he was threatened. And when he goes back to the uh, hotel, they're gone. And he doesn't see them until he's 18. Um, and that that element of the story, that he loses touch with his brother, um, and that we find out that his brother has continued in his life of crime, and Lakita has continued to be a prisoner, essentially, um, since they were picked up at the orphanage. And... I, I man, I was really compelled by all of that. Uh, the 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 triangle um, of sorts that is happening and how he finds him through the call center and everything else. I was just really really into it. I I think I love this movie. Like I I was totally not sure what I was getting into, and when it was done, I was just completely captivated. I think he does a really good job um, capturing these stories that are not like other movies that I've seen. Um, I, um, I was also going to say that they are very intelligent, these two kids, and that I love that scene when they go to the Taj Mahal, and they're kind of um, Americans. They're mm-hmm. swindling these Americans on these tours and making up stories about, um, you know, um, 
Yeah. Oh my god, I love. Oh yeah, she died in a pileup, but it took place in like 1587. And then they're like, in a pileup. I thought that it happened while she was giving uh during childbirth. Oh yeah, it happened in a pileup on the way to the hospital to deliver yeah, yeah. the baby or something. And I'm like, what? And they like steal shoes to sell them. And I like I obviously I've never grown up and I didn't grow up in severe poverty like that, but. They like they're just so quick thinking and on their feet that they see all these opportunities and I would have never thought of those. Well, and yeah, and there's a scene where they there's like a performance of some kind, like a play or an opera, and um, they're they're you see them like under the bleachers and like oh cool they're sneaking to watch the show, and then they start like mm-hmm. stealing people's like wallets out of their purses <laughs> and I'm freaking out like oh my god I can never sit in bleachers again I'm gonna I don't have a purse <laughs> but in my head it's like it's I'm gonna get robbed apparently. Never once thought about the people reaching from under the stairs to, like, grab my stuff. And um, I love that sequence, though, because it's really interesting because the music definitely does not match with what we're seeing, um, except for Jamal, who looks he's kind of looking longingly at the uh, the, the chain of events. Um, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to bounce ahead a little bit um, yeah. to uh, the game show. Um, we've seen him like how he was able to answer all these questions. But it comes to this uh, qu- uh, cricket question, and it's the ten million dollar question. And um, he definitely doesn't know, but it go- they go to commercial break, so he's like in the bathroom and he's stressed out. Like uh, the sh- the shot that lets us know he's stressed out is he's upside down when we first see him, um, and that's not he's not upside down, but we're like looking up at him from I think under the stall, and he's like hunched over, and um, it's a really cool shot because it's very surreal looking, and even how they transition into that shot was unique. And then the uh, game show host goes to the bathroom. And say, says to him, like, you're doing really great. I have I have hope. And you see him washing his hands, and it's, like, super hot water. Like, I noticed the steam. I was like, man, what's he doing? Um, and then uh, he goes out. He's like, I'll see you out there. And Dev Patel comes out of the stall. And on the mirror is the letter B written in steam. Like, that he turned the water hot so he could write on the mirror. And you're like, I'm like, oh, man, he did cheat. But not the whole time, just for this question. And immediately I'm like, or did he? Because the guy was talking about, you're going to be the most famous person. You're going to be as rich as I am. And I hear I heard uh, resentment in it. You know, like you're gonna you're gonna be more famous than me now because you're a rags to riches story. You're a slum dog who's about to be a millionaire. If you answer this question right, you're gonna win ten million dollars. And um, so he looks at it, he sees B. And I'm like, wow. So he did cheat. So the police aren't wrong, but he didn't do anything. The game show host cheated. He gave him the answer. And so as the scene plays out, he does. He has still has lifelines left, and he has uh, the fifty fifty. And it, of course, leaves letters B and D. And he chooses D. And the host looks incredulous. And I felt like the host maybe pushed it a little too hard with, like, are you sure you don't want B? Because I'm like, dude, if he ch- switches to B now, you're going to look super guilty. But um, he, he goes, no, uh, D's my final answer. And he's right. It's D. So he played the odds that this man didn't want him to win and, and nailed it, um, which, of course, upset the guy even more. Um, I love that sequence, how it plays out. I, it was very tense to me. Like I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, it's it's D, all right. Um, I did not catch that when I was watching it that it um, that the host um, was saying it that way. Yeah, I genuinely thought that he wanted him to win, but I don't know. Context clues, Corey. Well, it's it's not it's also personality. I I am um, skeptical of most people, and not necessarily in real life. But when I watch a film, I'm looking for um, some type of antagonist, like something that's gonna thwart the protagonist. And 
um, him giving the answer is, you know, a scandal. And it's a huge risk. He could easily get um, fired. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Bless you. Thank you. Um, and... I'm like, man, but why? Why is he saying what he's saying? Like, I, what's the motive for saying all the stuff about your ex? Rich's story. I really hope you're you're doing really well. I mean, um, in real life, I don't know that a host would care if somebody wins or not. You know, um, and that's that's kind of what I was thinking as I was watching it. I'm assuming it's not his own money that he's giving to the winner, and what I I don't care about fame. I'll take money any day, but I would never want to be famous. So I don't necessarily see the like the joy in that or why people would aspire to that. Well, so I didn't see that he would like be jealous that he would win, I guess. I want to be famous for one, but two, um fame offers opportunity. So like Word. someone who's now winning money, if they're famous, there's opportunity to win more money, especially if you think about like he doesn't know his story. But he is a slum dog, so people are going to want to know his story. And if his story is interesting, it gets a book deal or it gets made into a movie. Um, I mean, uh, Ken Jennings, for example, um, was a Jeopardy winner. He's, I think, the most winning Jeopardy player of all time. Um, he's written several books since then. Uh, he is He's made a career off of winning. I mean, he made a lot of money on Jeopardy, too. So I don't know that he needed to do anything else, but he's really great at trivia. He's been on Douglas movies several times. Um, and... So, I mean, the fame of winning definitely could. Now, I, I don't think it would have affected that guy's career. So my idea of it being jealous was nothing more than thinking about plot. Um, what what would likely make sense for the, the movie to do. And um, there there isn't a single antagonist. I mean, the brother, Salim, is an antagonist throughout the film. He constantly thwarts uh, Jamal from being happy um, throughout the film. And every time Jamal really wants something, Salim is the reason he doesn't get it um, almost consistently. Um, and then uh, you have the cops who are interrogating um, Jamal, although um, you see them lessening as the story moves on. The cops are getting less and less aggressive about it. They're clearly starting to think that, no, this guy's really just pulled off this perfect game. Um, and then the the, the host, um, there's, there never seemed to be a negative thing on camera, but um, the conversation in the bathroom just felt weird to me. And... Um, also, like, he was there uh, with intent, you know? And it might be, um, like, yes, you have this game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But they don't do game shows like that expecting people to win the big prize very often, you know? No, because wasn't that, like, a weekly show or a daily show? I, I don't – I think it was daily, but um, because they would do, like, the, the show gets interrupted. That's what always bugged me about that show anyways is, like, one care one person might be the contestant for like two or three days depending on how long it takes them to answer and all these you know these things um and the longer they go the longer the show runs and so they would just like next day here it is again um which is what happens in the movie actually he answers the question 10 million and before he can decide about the 20 million dollar question the final question uh the the show ends and he has to come back the next day and that's when he gets arrested and that's actually when we join back to real time up until that point, we've been in kind of flashback mode. Um, now we are finally, everything is coalesced. We are now live. And so the rest of the film, uh, we're watching uh, as it plays out, rather than getting recaps about the game show. And um, the cops decide that, no, he didn't cheat. Um, he goes to the $20 million and that's where he gets... Um, we find out uh, Salim is not all bad. Salim decides to redeem himself. Um, we had seen uh, Jamal and Lakita get 
close together, but she tried to run away from her current mob boss boyfriend, and that didn't work out too well. She got attacked, and before Jamal could get to the car, they were in the car and driving off. And um, not that Jamal could have done anything. There were like four guys with weapons. Uh, he probably would have been killed, and then the movie ends um, in a very tragic way. Um, but instead, uh, he's on the game show. We see that Lakita was watching um, the previous night, and Salim uh, rescues her and sends her on to go... Um, I'm sorry. She's watching uh, the news that's talking about the claims. Is is he a is he a cheater or whatever? And then the announcement that no, it apparently he's legit and he's going back to the game show tonight to answer the twenty million dollar question or walk away with the ten million dollars. And um, Salim sends her off, uh, tells her to drive, and that he'll take care of it. And um, he basically sets himself up for a suicide mission, knowing that he's going to be punished. And uh, he's planning on taking out the second mob boss that he takes out. Uh, in this film, and Lakita's driving, and when he hands her her uh, his cell phone, I thought it was, like, kind of weird, because it was, obviously she needs a phone or whatever for emergencies or, or whatnot, but um, it was very deliberate, because the only phone number that Jamal has is hers, and the only lifeline he has left is phone a friend. Um, not hers, I'm sorry, Salim's. And so when he phones a friend, it's it's calling his brother's cell phone, and Lakita has it. Um, and of course, uh, as I mentioned, the three musketeers, the last question is who is the third musketeer? What's the name of the third musketeer? Um, and it, at that point, like I remember liking the three musketeers when I was a kid, but I remember like nothing about the three musketeers. And so early in the film, um, their teacher called them Athos and Porthos. And then they referred to themselves as Athos and Porthos a few times. And I didn't know why, um, until the question came up, I was like, Oh, those are the musketeer names. That <laughs> makes so much sense. I didn't know. I, I wrote down the words. Like, I got to look these up. I don't know what these are. And then, oh, okay. Thank you, movie, for finally revealing what it sh I guess I should have known. Um, At the last moment. But So the question is, what's the third musketeer name? So not the ones he knows. It's the one he doesn't remember. And that's even brought up early in the film. He does, they don't know the name of the third musketeer. So he asked Lakita. And that she could be their third musketeer. Yeah, part of the theme is that, and that's the triangle that uh, is constantly being formed. Um, and I'm kind of, now I'm curious if any of their personalities parallel the musketeer personalities at all. Like, if, is there one who's more of a bossy bad guy, but he's also a good guy because he's part of the group? Um, you know, that kind of thing. I, I don't know enough. I saw one of the movies as a kid. Um, that wasn't, wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio in one? Like, that was the Iron and the that man okay, in the Iron no, Mask, I John. I know you hated Leonardo, but I, I don't think I've ever saw that one though. There was a Three Musketeer movie that I saw as a kid. I know they did one a few years ago that did not get good reviews, um, so I didn't see it. And so I knew nothing about this, but um, Lakita doesn't know. He doesn't know. He takes a guess, and because this is a movie, not based on a true story, despite my being kind of tricked into thinking it was. Um, he wins. You okay with that ending? You okay with the lucky guess? I was, and I kind of liked that he he came into this with nothing, and so he wasn't... I, I kind of took it as he wouldn't be losing anything. His whole intent was to, like, to co communicate with Latika. Yep, Lakita. And, isn't it Latika? It's L-A-K-I-T-A. Lakita. Oh my god, Lakita. I'm fired. Um. Oh wait, maybe I'm wrong. And... I think I'm wrong. I think I've been saying it wrong. I just looked at my own, my own handwriting, and I have Latika on my paper. <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry, Frida Pinto. You were great. Um, I guess Lakita is a more familiar name um, for me because of La Femme Nakita, which isn't Lakita, but it sounds like it when you say it fast. Um, 
Yeah, it's Latika. I apologize for saying it wrong the entire podcast. Um, thanks for finally saying something, Corey. Jeez. I'm sorry. I just pulled it back up. <laughs> um, I liked that aspect of it. Um, and to be honest, he had guessed on a few of them. Like, even the one with the B and the D. He never went in thinking he knew everything. And I like that everyone kind of undersold him because he wasn't educated. Mm-hmm. Um, because that doesn't always necessarily ensure that you're intelligent. Um, so I was fine with that. Yeah, it's a it's true. I mean, it's got the word dog in it, so it's a little bit on the nose. But it's definitely an underdog story. Um he goes in with no just the intention of hoping he had seen her watching the show once before and made even a comment about it. So he knew she watched and hoped that she would see him. And so that worked out. And him winning is only a bonus. So he wins the $20 million. He goes to the train station, still looking, does not look like a man who just won $20 million, which just goes to show money doesn't matter to him. Um, he's at the train station, and there she is, uh, Latika is there uh, waiting for him, and they uh, he sees the scar on her face that she received the day at the train station um, by the dude with the knife, and uh, he kisses the scar, and it's sweet, and it's super loving. But I, I need to take a whole moment, though, to be a sappy girl, because <laughs> you know how I am. I love that whole scene where he, like, jumps onto the train tracks and runs across, hops up, Runs through a train car, I believe, to get to her. I love that whole scene. Me Again, too. caution to the wind. No, yeah. Um, he, I mean, his whole life f- for her has been caution to the wind. He's taken huge risks. Um, he was away from that orphanage and went back into the territory of that crime boss, knowing he was putting himself in danger, but also that Latika was in danger because of them. And he was re- refused to, to be afraid of that if she was in danger. And... I, I enjoyed the love story of the film um, very much. I thought it was very well. Perf- it was, it was destiny. I mean, that's the theme throughout the film is this destiny, and that's what the last the answer just shows up on the bottom of the screen. Um, you know, it was written, and uh, then we get a great Bollywood uh, dance number um, after the credits. Did you see that? I did. And, like I'd heard about it. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have waited for it because it doesn't pop up right away. Um, but man, it I I've not seen a Bollywood movie. I don't believe I just know about them and. Um, I, I had to appreciate the Bollywood dance number at the end of the film. I thought it was great. And also I appreciated that um, they used so much MIA in this film. I oh, okay. Her music's kind of polarizing to me. Um, I think it's either really, really great and I love it, or I'm thinking, how did you, what happened? Um, but I know that this movie is what made her famous with the use of her song Paper Planes. So I loved that. And then um, there's a point where the kids are hum- are humming it, I think. They're humming a popular song, and I just loved that. But I didn't know that was coming at the end. I was waiting to, um, like, see, you know, all the credits. Ah, well, um, I think that about wraps up our review of Slumdog Millionaire. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. Um, all right, then it's time we give our official rating. Um, I went, I know went into this podcast without any hesitation. Um, this is a must see movie, uh, for me. It's a 100% must see film for me. And Corey's nodding. (laughs) I'm nodding because we Skype so I can interact better. Um, yeah, I'm going to totally agree with that. I feel like this is definitely what I'll be adding to my collection and I feel like most people would enjoy it. I'm going to go one step further and say of the Danny Boyle movies that I've seen, this is my favorite. 
Um, Whoa. Yeah. I, I Well, I like Trainspotting, and I find Trainspotting to be a great movie. If you'll recall, um, on our Trainspotting episode last week, I gave it Not Quite Golden. Um, well, you gave it a must-see. This one is a must-see for me, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it's Dev Patel. I don't know if it's the the love story because that's um, while Train Spotting has amazing visuals. I think it's definitely my favorite visual movie of Danny Boyle's, um, and I love Steve Jobs. Actually, I, I do have to keep that into my mind because I, I really enjoy the Steve Jobs film a lot, like more than I think I should. But for some reason, that film just really works for me. Um, but Slumdog, I think the combination of the the narrative style and then the story itself. Um, even like there's like a fairy tale quality about it, you know, because of the, the love story and the, because he wins the twenty million dollars, um, and he overcomes the. He's an, it's an underdog story, you know. There's just it's just it's a feel good. Like Train Spotting doesn't really feel good, like ever. Like it's fun. I like the characters, but they're they're druggies and they make awful life choices. And and even your hero does he burns his friends. Like yes, he he helps Spud, but he burns. My his hero friends. is Spud. Well, that's not a good hero. He shit the bed, Corey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they all shit everywhere. I feel like every single one of them does something. Um, um, but I love Spud. Um, oh, no, I like Spud. Isn't my favorite. Oh, Spud. I said Spud. I don't know what that is. Um, We're making up new names. Um, this is not my favorite Danny Boyle film, but oh, I, I do think that it is more digestible, and it. I feel like this one would be easier for most people to watch multiple times. And I am a. I, I again, and no, I love Twenty Eight Days Later. I love um, Train Spotting. I love Steve Jobs, and I think that's all the Danny Boyle films that I've seen. I saw The Beach. I don't remember liking that, but I was a kid, so maybe because Leonardo on it. That's not untrue. Um, I am a big Leo fan now, but he came out at a time where he was competition in a way. You know, like all the high school girls, like oh my god, Leo, and I'm like whatever. It's also why I hated Justin Timberlake for a long time. Um, I don't hate you anymore, JT. You're welcome to come on the podcast if you'd like. Um, I guess because he listens. Um, but you know, uh, there's just there's a lot about this film. One, I want to see Dev Patel in more stuff. I really, um, I loved him in Lion, and I really liked him in this movie. Um, and to be honest, if you were to look back at the horrible movie that is The Last Airbender, he's probably the best part about it. Um, not necessarily his character, mind you, but his performance is probably the strongest. Uh, then now, I don't think I could sit through the exotic Marigold Hotel movies. Those look really boring. Um, I don't know if you've seen the trailers for those, but it's like old people love story, and I just, I just, I just can't. It, and the catty old women in the trailers are enough to keep me away. And I almost but, missed um, Grand Budapest Hotel because I thought it was attached to that. Because, ah, and I'm no. glad. Yeah, I know, but I at the time I didn't know any better, and I was just like, why would I watch that? And let's not forget the bad movies happen to good actors. Mm. As far as Deb Patel and The Last Airbender. Yeah, definitely. Um. So I, I, I hope the movie he has coming out this year, which I've forgotten the name, but I hope that ends up being good. Um, but I hope he does. I hope he keeps getting work because I really enjoy uh, his performances. Um, there's a there's just something about him. And um, the this film, though, I really, I, I don't know, it just worked for me. Um, especially the narrative structure, I think, was the biggest selling point to me. I like the the story in it, and I like how it's told. And again, I was suckered in. I, I went in kind of feeling like it was a uh, true story for some reason. Um, and there is a guy, the, the part of the reason why a guy did win the uh, the jackpot um, on the the Indian who wants to be a millionaire, like, not long after. Um, so there is, like, a parallel, apparently, between what actually happens to him and then, like, this movie. Not a big one, but there is a story that connects to it. So it's not totally fabricated. It is, there, I mean, it is fabricated, but there is a coincidental story that you could easily confuse for a, you know, 
part like the inspiration for this which was false it is based on a book um that concludes episode 13 Corey and i both give uh slim dog millionaire the must see um next week for episode 14 um what we have on the list is uh a movie that i've been putting off for a long time and i don't Corey, do you have access to watch um are you looking at the list i'm pulling it up all right i i don't want to say it out loud just yet because i want to see if uh if you're gonna be able to get to watch this film um or not um we're the worst <laughs> are you looking at it uh-huh the one that i like uh the, the one for april 7th yeah okay you like it? i thought you haven't seen it are you looking at okay well uh, goonies is what we're looking at i love that movie oh i've never seen goonies remember you and mike haven't seen it oh mike hasn't seen it okay i knew one of i thought it was you and yeah. i because mike sees no, everything i love the goonies okay well then uh, i think then we we're doing the goonies for episode uh, I 14 i do too um and i still have never seen it never seen it despite being born in 82 um it was one of those movies that apparently either my mom wasn't interested in because um, i saw a lot of movies you know and ratings was never an issue my mom uh, was very open with letting me see pretty much anything um same like i was a huge fan of the police academy movies when i should not have been able to see the police academy movies um as and look at us we're pretty well adjusted adults people for the most part yeah it doesn't there's don't you know don't let the surface fool you but um Ah! goonies uh will be our episode 14 movie um we would love to hear your opinions of the movie goonies even if you don't rewatch it this week if you've seen it if it's you're a fan of it why what is it about the movie is this a film you rewatch with your family do you have kids have you shown your kids this movie because i will most likely be showing my 12 year old um unless she just will not watch it with me but um we're gonna be watching goonies for episode 14 you can tweet at us i'm at burke reviews and Corey at Corey r star two r's on the end and or use the hashtag mc goonies and that's movie club goonies so hashtag mc goonies and if uh if you do that if you tell us your thoughts on the Goonies, we will read your tweet and include your Twitter handle so you maybe can get some extra followers. Um, if you like our podcast, please share it with your friends. Um, are there any movies that you want us to watch that maybe you think not enough people have seen and you want us to recommend it? Are you a filmmaker? Do you have a movie that you'd like us to do for the movie club? You can tweet at us or email us. Um, you can find our website at BurkeReviews.com. Contact us. Tell us you want us to watch the film. Last year, um, Corey and I both, I think you watched uh, the skunk, the were skunk, right? I was a teenage <laughs> were skunk. Yes. Um, that was a film I heard about through Battleship Pretension. Uh, I did have some contact with the director on Twitter. Um, we, we reviewed it, and I liked the movie quite a bit. And we'd love to do that with your movie. So if you make films and you want us to watch it for the movie club, uh, you'll get a little bit of publicity. Um, you help us out, we help you out. You tell people about our podcast, we tell people about your movie. Um, I'm going to be at the Star Wars celebration on April 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th uh, with Michael Sanchez from our Top 5 Movie Podcast. Um, if, you, if you're going to be there, look for us. We'll be giving out stickers, and um, I'd love to give away some stickers to some fans. So if you're there listening and you want a free sticker, look for uh, me or Mike. You can find our pictures on the website. So if you don't know what we look like, um, I am fairly recognizable. I stand out in a crowd, and you can just look for the glare bouncing off of my bald head. Um, <laughs> no, I feel like you guys need um you guys need Burke reviews t-shirts to wear to the conventions and stuff. might have to look into getting a couple of br polos um yes. look all professional and spiffy um and then i will be at the florida film festival uh, throughout the week that the festival is taking place i will not be in every movie but i will be there both weekends and probably one or two nights during the week um if you're uh in florida i do again encourage you to support the film festival it keeps getting bigger every year um and it 
will only get uh, larger if people keep going. Um, support local movies, support uh, independent film, and um, support podcasts. Any anyone out there that uh, you can, they're free. Um, you can download us. You can share us. You can you know put us on your favorite cassette tape and plug it in your car stereo if you need to. However you need to to enjoy our our podcast, we appreciate it. Um, thank you so much, Corey, for giving up your Friday evening. And I will see you uh, for top five movies later this week. All right. Bye, guys. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs> <laughs>